Welcome to Season 4 of the Social Pros Podcast, where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Integrated PR Software from Cision, by the easy-to-use farm builder, FarmStack, by the relational data miner of target customers, Affinio, and by the social marketing promotions and management tool, ShortStack. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Jeff Roars from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's that time again, time for another edition of Social Pros, the podcast for real folks doing real stuff in social media. I am your host, Jeff Roars, playing both mommy and daddy today because Jay Bear is yet again cavorting in Europe somewhere, eating lots of roast meats. Uh, And so today, basically, the Cleveland Midwest social media, content marketing, marketing overall mafia is taking over. And I am proud to invite to the pod one, Mr. Joe Polizzi of the Content Marketing Institute. Joe, how are you? Jeffrey, it is wonderful chatting with you. My first question is: Does does Jay is Jay ever on this podcast anymore? Is just is this just a thing that you know? He, and, it, yeah, it's it, it's like uh, it's like you know when when John Stewart takes off from the Daily Show, right? There's that there's that slight pinch of loss and wondering what he's doing. Uh, but I, I hope to be as strong as John Oliver was back in the day when he. Uh, he took over the helm, but we'll, we'll there, see what we can do. There's no doubt about that, my friend. I, I mean, if he has full confidence in you. And, of course, yeah, you're bringing the CLE connection here. And, and I actually feel better about this that he's not on because, I, you know, he doesn't have that Cleveland love like we do. He doesn't. And we are recording this, sadly, after a Game 4 loss, a tragic Game 4 loss, where uh, cameras are now attacking LeBron James <laughs> and uh, people are cramping right and left. Uh, Joe, how how are you dealing with that loss, and and what's your prediction? This will air, I think, a couple weeks in the future, so you're you're putting your reputation on the line here because the finals will be done. But what's your prediction? I actually thought all along it was going to go seven games, and I'm you know I I still feel fairly confident that you know LeBron can pull out a, a you know best two out of three here, but. I can't, I can't complain about this. I could, that the fact that they're in this, I I have to say though. I mean, I know this is not a basketball podcast, but I have to actually say that I would play some of the bench that we have left. You know, throw in uh, Perkins in there to to get four fouls in two minutes or something, just to give a breather to some of these guys who have absolutely <laughs> lost their composure. But yeah, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm still positive. I'm keeping the positive vibe. It's all you can do in Cleveland, right? It is all you can do in Cleveland. We do have the positivity going. So um, uh, for those who don't have a horse in this race, we we appreciate you uh, uh, praying for us. And um, by the time you're listening to this, the uh, the great meat bets between Jay and I will be decided. I believe a um, uh, a bunch of grass-fed steaks going to Jay if the Warriors win. And I think I've got a couple of pork shoulders coming my way if uh, the Cavs win. Okay, so, well, I'll be over. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna join you on the deck for, for that, uh, that grilling adventure. That's I'm assuming. Good. So you that's let me know, and I'm gonna celebrate with you, my friend. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's dig in here. You've got a lot of stuff going on. You're, uh, uh, for those who don't know, Joe is the, uh, the, the founder, CEO, head poobah of the Content Marketing Institute, which puts on Content Marketing World, the, 
the largest content marketing show in the globe that happens in Cleveland, Ohio this September. Joe, what are the exact dates of the event this year? Uh, September 8th through 11th. Excellent. So uh, full week in Cleveland. Hopefully going to order up the same weather as last year. It was just wonderful, save for the uh, the downpour Wednesday night. Uh, good time to be in Cleveland. Any uh, any cool things uh, planned that you want to share with folks? Well, you know, of course, uh, Sir John Cleese is going to be there from Monty Python fame, and, uh, and you and I are both very excited about that. And uh, what he's going to talk about about corporate creativity is going to be fantastic. And you know, we love to throw a party, as you well know. I mean, I learned you know all this from you, and you were throwing out the connections every year, and how you guys. You know, just knew how to mix in entertainment and information, which I think is critical to any event. So, of course, we've got to bring bring the bare naked ladies down from Canada uh, to, uh, to band, have a little correct. party with not us. All the women. That is, <laughs> that is the band. It's not a requirement for attendees. It is a, it is the Excellent. band. Excellent. We have that going on. We have the opener, uh, or the opening uh, night at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so we get to show a lot of you know, because we have people coming in from 50 countries for this thing, so we want to show them the best parts of Cleveland, of course, and, and then 150 speakers, including Mr. Jeffrey Roars, uh, doing yeah, a little thing on audience. Yeah, and after, of course, Jay's going to be there as well. So, I mean, we've got, it, it's just, I always say this every year, I guess you have to. I think it's the best lineup we've ever had. And uh, to bring 3,500 plus people into Cleveland is, is not a bad thing. And as you and I are, are lovers of Cleveland, we love to show off the city that you know, that uh, we call our own, and I just think it's a special place, and sort of content marketing affiliated with Cleveland just feels right to us, and, you know, so we're going to throw on up a little party, and everyone's going to be able to network with people that maybe are in the same challenges or having the same problems with the Zems, because a, a lot of people in content marketing, they don't really know, um, you know, where their people are, and so when you come to Cleveland in September, you, you find your people, they're all there hanging out and having a good time learning from each other. So I, I'm, there are a number of things we're going to dive into. You've got a new book coming out. You've got a documentary that will be premiering at Content Marketing World about content marketing. But I want to ask an interesting question. As somebody who's putting on an event, how are you using social media to drive registration and attendance? Uh, are there particular channels that you're seeing work best? And are there any things this year, perhaps over last year or previous years, that are, are, are you know, growing for you in importance? No, it's a great question. It's critical. Uh, as you know, I'm a believer in the most important metric is the email subscriber. Uh, you know, building the audience. And I took a page out of out of Jeff Rohr's playbook, and building the audience is key. The number one is building that subscriber so that we can grow that relationship with them by sending amazing content to them on a consistent basis, and to build that relationship. And if we do that, and we have great touch points with them through multiple media channels, we know they're more likely to come to the event. That said, look at, you just mentioned the documentary. I mean, the documentary has sure. just gotten, in the last 24 hours, it got 5,000 views just on Facebook. In that yeah, you got a trailer, a trailer out for it that's looking great. Exactly, got it the trailer. Jay, doesn't it? <laughs> What's, oh, yeah, Jay's in there, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, getting getting that out there so people get build that awareness. What's interesting, what we started a few years ago, we do a Twitter chat. Uh, CM World hashtag Twitter chat at noon Eastern time every Tuesday. And we started this three years ago as a promotion to the event. We were trying to get speakers involved as sort of a Twitter takeover of the hashtag uh, for every Tuesday. And we started that and it became, what happened is the people that attended that Twitter chat on that Tuesday, they, they wanted to meet each other at the event. 
So they came to the event, and so we had like a little Twitter gather, Twitter hashtag gathering, if you will, and they wanted us to keep it going. So we've kept it going for three years. Every you know every every Twitter chat we do, you know, you would get, uh, you know, you get seventy five to one hundred people on there, and of course you know the impact of that from tweeting and followers and the exposure, and we get more new people that are associated with that. But it's a community that's actually been built on Twitter. Which has been phenomenal. That it started with just a marketing idea out of the event, and it's gone on to be just a community building activity that's really critical for us. I think that's that's a really great example because um, I think you have to you have to be a little bit bold and also follow your audience. And um, I imagine more brands could probably benefit from taking that digital community and you know allowing it to transform into a physical face to face community. Well, it's a great point. You know, what's you know, you and I remember, you know, the days of Ping FM when it's oh, we have yeah. one message and let's blast it out to ninety different sites at one time, the same message. Well, now we're at the point where, and you guys talk about this all the time, where you're using different channels in different ways to different audiences. So Twitter is our is that's that channel where we really use that the Twitter chat area on Tuesday, and that works really really well for that time. Uh, if we look at LinkedIn. All the power from LinkedIn is in our groups, and we have multiple groups that we oversee depending on whether we're talking about content marketing strategy or execution points or whether we're talking to our international audience. So we do, you know, and then Instagram is stuff where we show the personality off between what's going on at the event and what's going on at CMI. So that channel strategy is so huge, and I can't stress that enough, is the fact that you just don't say, oh, here's our message, and it's going to be on, our, let's say, our content hub, and then we're just blasting it out. I think that's just a poor use of social media, and you need to look at each channel. And then, by the way, you might make a decision and say, ah, you know, Facebook, that's not for us. We're going to do this minimal on Facebook, but we don't think that's a good use of our time. Like our good friend Brian Clark at Copyblogger, he said, you know what? We're not going to have a Facebook page. It's not a good use of our time, and a lot of people criticized him. But who are you know who are we to criticize? He's awfully successful. He's doing pretty darn well. He's made a decision to focus on other channels, and I think less is more in social media right now. Focus on where you can put the resources and have the best impact with your customers, and then you know you don't have to be. I don't think you have to be on every channel, especially if you're not going to invest in it. That's a great point. I think there's. Um something there to be said about knowing your brand because doesn't your brand and you know kind of how you have established the relationship with your ultimate consumer with your marketplace help shape which channels you should be on or which ones you should avoid well i think that maybe it's not necessarily the brand but it's the audience it's it's all about the audience in my opinion where are they hanging out where do they want to communicate with you on what makes the most sense for the type of stories that you're telling um, so obviously, look at YouTube, and obviously we do regular videos. We take the videos from, you know, we take the presentations from the event like yours, and we'll cut them up, and we'll put them into really informational snippets. When we started the podcast, this old marketing on, um, you know, like you guys did here, we had we didn't we had a news gap. So we had a content gap. We don't cover the news at Content Marketing Institute. There really wasn't anybody out there doing a good job of it. We said, well. How can we tell this story effectively to people that most want that? And we went through all the challenges. We said, I think there's an opportunity with audio content. So we really went forward. We said, no, 
let's do a do a news roundup, but let's do it in audio format. And we found that there's our true believers. The true believers for Content Marketing Institute are our podcast listeners. There's no doubt about it. Every week, as you guys do the same thing, they're on there for 60 minutes, engaging in Robert Rose and my, my banter about the industry of content marketing. And they love it. And then they go and spread that with their audience. Now, that is not for everyone. But if we look at who are the real evangelists for Content Marketing Institute, they're the ones that like to listen to it on audio and engage in everything else. So now that we've got this channel plan, we feel really good about it, but we can now segment our audience into different groups where we can communicate them with them most effectively how, how they most want to be communicated with. So here's an interesting question for you. Walk us through a day in the life of Joe Polizzi on social media. How do you begin your morning? What channels? How does it flow through the day in terms of you personally managing social interactions across a variety of different channels? Well, that, you know what? I've done a lot of interviews, Jeff, and that's the first time anyone's ever asked me that question. So I will take you. you, you You are absolutely the first. Now, I do have to say a little disclaimer, like my mother always did for Christmas presents. She always gave me a disclaimer. I'm going to do the same thing. I do not oversee our corporate social channel. Sure, sure. Multiple team that does that. So I will talk to you about what I do personally. That would be great. Um, what I normally do, yeah, so I'll wake up, uh, I'll wake up in the morning, and I usually ch- I check two feeds, Facebook and Twitter. I want to see if anybody called me out or responded to me or the content that I'm posting on Facebook. Check, uh, you know, check some of the key friends and colleagues, what they're doing. And then the same thing with Twitter. I check out the CM World hashtag and I check out anyone who's at Joe Polizzi me to yeah. see what they're talking about or whether I need to respond to anything. Because if somebody says, yeah. so if somebody says, hey, Joe, this was a fantastic article and they personalize it, I get back. I respond to every one of those at least once a day. And sometimes yeah, I mean, paint the picture. Paint the picture for me, though. Is it is it truly Facebook and Twitter first? Does email sneak in there? Have you gotten out of bed, or are you sitting there on the phone oh. before you've even, <laughs> you know, gone and washed up for the day? All right. So I probably the first thing that I do, even before I um, I work out or get in the shower, I probably already checked email once. So okay. I forgot the email. So I check the email once, and then I go do my thing wherever. This is when I'm not on the road. I'm in the office. Right. Then I'll get in the office. So let's say that's around 8 o'clock. I'm in. I'm starting to check. And then I've already checked email, so then I'm going to Twitter and Facebook. So I'm checking that, going to doing my responses. I, that probably takes me 15 minutes unless I did a, a really amazing piece of content the day before, and I'm getting a lot of interaction. Like, um, for example, yesterday... I posted uh, state of the content marketing industry on LinkedIn, and I publish on LinkedIn every couple months or so. That's getting a lot of play right now, so I, I have to personally respond to a lot of people. For example, right before this podcast, I was just in LinkedIn responding to comments because there was 52 comments on there, and I wanted to make sure I at least the ones that are asking me questions I respond to. So take that, you know, then then from from that the rest of the day, to be honest, outside of the strategy and stuff I'm working on, I'm all about content. My job is to create content and to be the uh, the the head of uh, of Content Marketing Institute and to get more people to follow us and to believe and evangelize around this idea called content marketing. So for today, for example, I have two podcasts that I have to record. That means. Uh, for Content Inc. Right, my my personal uh, podcast is called Content Inc. 
and they're five-minute podcasts, but I have to write about 700, 800 words, and then I read that, record that, and that will be an art, two articles. You know, They'll post on Monday, but they're two articles for later in the next two weeks on our Content Inc. subbrand site for, for CMI. So that's going to take me probably, Jeff, about you know, an hour, an hour and a half to do. I, po- sure. I do the post-production on that, too. It's really easy to do. Uh, with audacity and whatnot, it's not like uh, you know this production that you have here for social pros. <laughs> so oh, the cast of thousands. Exactly. Uh, we, have, we have people in Italy working on this. Today. I know this is like crazy. <laughs> you guys do it, do it up big. I mean, I'm just recording in my office for Content Inc. Um, so yeah, so like for example, on Sunday, Sunday night, Monday morning, you know, Robert and I then record this old marketing. That's more of a production because we've got to do a lot of research on the news and whatnot. But uh, to be honest, well, I'm. An, an, and there's also we have to have to also say there's a lot of time for styling for Robert for his hair, his vests, his look. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that too. Yeah, I hate that the logo for this old marketing is <laughs> bald me with a beard and long flowing hair for Robert. Like, what is up with that? I have to I have to throw Joe Kalinowski, our creative director, under the bus for for that one. Um, so, anyways. And then all about content. So, like, if I'm out doing a speech, you know, then SlideShare is involved. And then I'm going to tweet that out okay. through through SlideShare, post that maybe on uh, on Facebook if I really, really liked it. Although Facebook is really more personal for me. Twitter and LinkedIn are where, you know, I have the business conversation. What's, what's your feeling on SlideShare in terms of kind of giving away the farm? Do you post full presentations? Do you sense, uh, you know, because I know in talking with other speakers, there's sometimes a little hesitation there. What's your What's your thought there? I will give anything and everything away. I will give even stuff that we charge for at times. I'll give it away if somebody asks for it. I I never say no to stuff like that. Um, and that and, and you know, God, Jeff, I just got to go back to the way we built the business. That's how we built this business on giving all of the knowledge that we have from this community in a way so we can lift up. You know, a rising tide lifts all boats. I truly believe that. So I'll give it away on SlideShare. I mean, I'm, t- I'm speaking about it. When people say, "Can we, can we cite your resources? Can we have one blog post to translate?" All those types. Of, as long as it's done within reason, mm-hmm. uh, we will absolutely share it. Now, I gotta remind you, for not for me personally, but for CMI, when we post a slideshow presentation to CMI SlideShare, that's a subscription generator for us. So that's our third best subscription generator. So we love that. So we want to promote that, let people go. If they want to view it on SlideShare for free without signing up to anything, they can. But if they want to download the presentation, we ask for their email address and to sign them up for our email newsletter. Excellent. So um, you, you've got the podcast, you've got articles, you've got the SlideShare. Um, when you uh, when you actually you know close the laptop for the day. Uh, and have dinner with the family. Is it a, a phones down and off situation? Oh, absolutely. And I really, and although I'm not perfect with this, Jeff, you and I have had conversations about this. Sure. I, I once, I'm, once we're done and I'm in the house around the kids, I'm done. I really try to shut it down. Like Saturdays, unless there's just something that for some reason I have to be on, we're pretty much not on electronic devices at all. Um, on Saturday, especially here in the summer, and I got the two boys. You know, we we want to spend as much time as a family as possible. So I really try to uh, lay off of that. I try to pick my spots for email as well. Instead of checking all day, check at certain times. The same for Twitter and Facebook, because you can just get sucked in. And my goal is really just to work on projects. So, like for example, yesterday 
I'm judging the content marketing awards and it's our award pro awards program. It took me like five hours to do that. I mean, that's judging like 60 or 70 uh, oh, different. Uh, tell different, me about it. I just, I just did some judging for a different thing today. That's a tough. That's it's a tough it's very, very tough. So I had to concentrate. So basically my goal is if I can get one or two projects a day done and then, you know, more, you know, right at the beginning of the day and right before, where I shut down, I'm just checking my connections, make sure everything's good to go, and I'm there. Now, the great part is, and how we set up from a corporate social standpoint, is if there is a big issue that I need to respond on, like, for, for example, I don't read all the comments on the Content Marketing Institute blog site, but our social media folks do a great job in saying, Joe, you need to comment on this. And you need gotcha. to do it now or you need to do it within the next five hours. Or this happened on this site. Uh, Forbes posted something that they we don't like, we don't think is funny regarding uh, content marketing. You really need to get on there and get your perspective. So that's how you know we've got a team that really has those listening posts set up, like the air traffic control people, so that they can let me know when I need to get involved in certain conversations. Excellent. Uh, Joe, we're going to take a, a break to pay some bills here, but uh, stick around. i got questions about the uh, upcoming book, uh, more about the events, more about the documentary. So hold tight. Let's do it. And uh, we want to thank some sponsors here. Let's uh, start off with Cision. Uh, Cision is the leading global media intelligence company, and if you need to know who's talking about your company, what's driving your campaigns, and which data to trust to make informed business decisions, you need Cision. Cision integrates social monitoring, rich data analytics, and customer engagement into a single platform. You have to remember that influencers are people too. They're not just megaphones for your brand. So learn how to develop close, mutually beneficial relationships with all the people that live and breathe in your audience's world. They've got a report that's going to help you identify the influencers that can become trusted partners in the growth of your business. You can check it out now and remember that going viral isn't the goal of influencer relations. That report is called How to Succeed with Influencer Relations. It's from Cision, and you can download it at convinceandconvert.com forward slash five. That's convinceandconvert.com forward slash five. We also want to thank our sponsor, Shortstack. Um, if your business is on Instagram, you know there's one frustrating thing about the platform, one lousy live link, it's the accounts bio section. If you don't have to deal with updating your accounts bio link all the time, and who does, we recommend that you use Shortstack. With their platform, you can build an Instagram campaign that reveals your Instagram content on the days and times you plan to post on your profile. You can also embed tracking links and host forms on your Instagram campaign, two great features which allow you to track the return on Instagram investment. So if you plan out your Instagram posts in advance, Shortstack is for you. To learn about Shortstack's Instagram solution, they've created a handy infographic you can use to start building your very own Instagram campaign. You can access that at convinceandconvert.com forward slash 13. That's convinceandconvert.com forward slash 13. We also want to thank Affinio. Discover audiences you didn't know existed. Affinio analyzes billions of social network connections to uncover audience act, actionable audience insights. Reveal the culture of communities that are most important to your brand and engage them with relevant, timely, and useful content. You can grab some information about Affinio at convinceandconvert.com forward slash nine. That's convinceandconvert forward slash nine. Couple more here. We want to thank Formstack. Formac, Formstack's uh, benchmark report on forms conversions has got uh, valuable data to get more conversions in 2015. If you want to know which social media hack boosts conversions by 109%, this is the report for you. 
You can check it out, get your free copy over at convinceandconvert.com forward slash eight. Again, that's convinceandconvert.com forward slash eight for everything you need to know about form conversions from Formstack. And last but certainly not least, <clears throat> my employer. Official Pros is brought to you by the Salesforce Marketing Cloud, a world leader in interactive marketing software, powering the email, web, mobile, and social programs of more than 4,600 companies. Salesforce recently surveyed over 5,000 marketers globally to understand top priorities for 2015 across all digital channels. And this report, called the State of Marketing Leadership Report, will give you an unparalleled look at the modern marketer's mindset. Download that report today at convinceandconvert.com forward slash three. That's convinceandconvert.com forward slash three. Now, Joe, um, let's talk a little bit about the book you've got coming out. You have uh, you have your own podcast that you told us about, the five-minute one, uh, called Content Inc., and that is also, I believe, the title of your latest book that will be released at Content Marketing World this September. Tell us a little bit about it. That is correct. First of all, who says advertising is dead? I'm, and the <laughs> other thing is... Not Jay Bear and convincing <laughs> That is not, yeah, exactly. And uh, and for some reason, with all the stacks you're message, uh, mentioning, I really feel like pancakes right yes. now. And that would be yes. awesome. Yeah, short stack, form stack, long stack, all kinds of stacks going on. They're, like, they're, they do drive a certain sort of affinity for carbs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Um, so, yeah, my fourth book, uh, Content Inc., coming out in September, launching at uh, Content Marketing World. It, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit. I, I wanted to, I've been wanting to write this book for the last four years on our journey as a, you know, as my journey as an entrepreneur, our journey as a small business and how with very little resources, you know, we were able to build an audience and then monetize that audience. So I went out and said, okay, well, a little bit of a self-serving book. I'd like to go out and tell the story. I'd like to be helpful. Let's go do that. But in the meantime, let's go interview some folks that, that have done the same thing, and I and then I said, well, I wonder how many companies out there, individuals, startups, were able to do this. And as I'm doing the research, Jeff, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are actually a lot. There are a number of companies out there, so dozens and dozens and dozens, and we just started to uncover more and more of these startups with no money, or in, or actually entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, in a lot of case cases with no money at all, were able to focus on a a niche content niche on a you know be, between a passion area of theirs and, and a, some authority area of knowledge and skill you know that we they did what we call the content tilt and they made a differentiation point that was completely different than what anyone else was doing and even like crazy content areas that we think are overwhelmed with content they created an audience they built that audience through subscribers which I know you love and then they monetized that generally and this is the kicker Jeff we found out on average it takes about 15 to 17 months to monetization from zero, you know, basically starting from zero to how long does it take to monetize the platform? 15 to 17 months. And that's why I say, look, it takes patience to do this. But sure. if you can get through that period and be really, really patient and you don't have a lot of resources and you're a small business or basically you're an entrepreneur within a big business, you can absolutely do this. And that's why I think small businesses and entrepreneurs have an advantage over big companies because, as you know, big companies are very campaign-driven. They usually yep. don't have the patience that small businesses do to kind of get through that 12- to 18-month cycle, and, uh, and that's what we've seen. And so Content Inc. is the story of that, and it's a six-step. We basically 
we reverse engineered all these examples we were looking at, and we found that there are six steps that every one of these companies took to get to you know multi-million dollar platform status. And uh, it's fascinating to me. I'm super excited, as you can tell. I'm super excited yeah. about it. And well, I just give, am I, amazed. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, I imagine you can't give away all six steps, but tease us with a couple of the key ones, maybe some things that surprised you in there. No, I, I absolutely. I'll, get, I'll tell you the steps. It's good. I, I mean, I just told you. I give away. <laughs> I give absolutely everything. I mean, we're doing the podcast. We're giving all the content away before the book's out. And I just am a big believer in that model. So the first thing is, look, you've got to identify your sweet spot. What is that? What is that passion point that you have? If you're so, an entrepreneur, what's the passion? You truly have a passion mixed with what is an area you, you have a knowledge or a skill that is just above average that you have an authority to speak on. And then, like an all, so that's what we call the sweet spot. An alternate sweet spot might be instead of a passion point, you might put in what is a customer pain point that you really are aware of that you want to target. So that's the first thing is you get the sweet spot. The problem is is that that's where most companies stop. They just have the sweet spot there, and they're like, okay, no, well, our sweet spot is about, and Jay Bear talks about this all the time, so I love it, about knitting. You know, like, let's just let's start a knitting blog. And he talked about this when we interviewed him. He says, well, there are you know a 100 other knitting blogs out there. How are we going to move people away from the knitting blog that they're at to something else? And that's where you get into the most critical point, and we call this the content tilt. How do you differentiate your content so that you can actually become the leading informational resource in a certain area? And this is so hard for big companies to do because you have to target one audience and you have to get so far deep into a niche that you can actually say that you can become, and if you execute the plan, you can become the leading expert. So that once you, once you do that, then you move on to what we call building the base is the third mm -hmm. point. So you got sweet spot, you got content tilt, then you're building the base. You have to pick, and this is completely rocket science here. This might be a little confusing for you, Jeff. It's like, hey, you pick one content type. Is it text? Is it audio? Is it video? You pick a platform. Is it your website? Is it a blog? Is it iTunes? Is it YouTube? You consistently deliver content over time. That's the model, man. That is it in all cases. That was the model that has worked so well for all these entrepreneurs, including us, and that's where it takes you know your 12 months or so as you go. During that time, you get into step four, harvesting the audience. Number one thing, as you know, is email subscribers. That's where you have the most control. So in all of the case studies we looked at, email was the number one way to build an audience. And what we see in a lot of big companies, they focus on building their audiences on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, which is fine. But you yeah. got to remember, you don't control those audiences. And what happened with Facebook? We put millions of dollars into building an audience on Facebook, and then Facebook said, ah, well, you're not really going to be able to communicate with them that much because we want this to be a pay-to-play platform. We're going to, we don't think your content is valuable. So that hurts you. So in the harvesting the audience category, what we found out is that email was the critical subscription tool used by most of the companies we talked to. Number five, as we go into, is diversification. And this is critical, Jeff, because what happens is a lot of companies will say, look, let's do, let's do a blog and a podcast, and, uh, and then let's do some videos, and let's do the email, and we do Vines and Instagrams and everything, and they do everything at once. And actually, that's not 
proven to be effective. What's proven to be effective is first build your base on one platform. You could still share that content, but you don't diversify until you build a minimum viable audience. Because once you have like the blog built or the YouTube channel built, then you can do things like a podcast, like a print magazine, like launch an event. Like for example, with CMI, we just had the blog for three and a half years. We built the audience on the back of the blog. Then we launched Chief Content Officer Magazine. Then we launched the event. Very, very smart to do it that way. And then after all those five steps, Jeff, then they monetize. Then you wait. Not And by the way, and, and Jay will appreciate this, is you are trying to monetize from day one. Don't get me wrong. Sure. You would yeah. like to make money or show that you're selling more products and services from day one. It's absolutely critical. But that's usually not going to happen because it takes time to build a loyal audience. Uh, that really loves you and will do anything for you and buy your products and services or come to your events or whatever the goal is. So the last step is monetization, and there's lots of ways to monetize it. And what we saw, Jeff, was the smartest of these entrepreneurs monetized it five, six, seven ways. Some were saying, oh, some are selling products. Some are doing consulting services. Some had events. Uh, some were selling uh, software as a service products. Uh, some were uh, syndicating their content. Uh, some were using affiliate programs. Some were do whatever. It's all over. You know, there's nine different ways to make money off of content, and they were using almost every one of them. So I think that that's what was amazing about this program. And we just saw so many companies doing this, and I love the model because anyone can do it. It just takes patience, time, and focusing on the right content niche. Oh, I love I love the step by step because I've lived that personally and I couldn't agree more that yeah you are trying to monetize throughout but you have to have that strategic approach and have patience for it and you're absolutely right in a larger enterprise organization that is a very very tough road to hoe because of the emphasis on on you know leads opportunities closed one new business yep. you know what have you done for me lately. Um, and that's going to be, I think, the the fight that um, content marketers actually share with social pros, um, where you know there is, are, is lingering skepticism in many organizations about the ROI around social media. And I think that's where content and social really can align uh, to show you know results and understand it's not you know that I talk about this in my own presentations. The goal of everything we do in marketing is a sale, right? That pays the bills. But short of that, we have these other objectives that produce ROI that some is tangible, some is intangible. One of them is brand loyalty and brand recognition. And we understand that brands have value. There are studies every year that tell you, you know, who the most valuable brand in the, in the world is. This year it's Apple again. But then that third one that you talk about that I love and is near and dear to my heart, and that's audience, the ability to directly communicate with people. So. Uh, I love that message, and I, I I imagine a lot of social pros will get something out of well, it. Well, well, I think that I think that another way that you can show value for social media, and we're you know look at look at what we're talking about here when we come to content marketing. I mean, these are other channels that you can communicate with your customers. What we found this is for us for CMI, so just take it for what it's worth. But this is the stuff that we found for our return is the number three. The number three is critical for us to get our audience engaged in three content activities and and we have lots of different ones so but three is what we saw is this sort of the tipping point is if we can get them involved in three things that we do they are way more likely to go and to our, our bank 
content marketing world or pay for something. So for an example, that's where social media can be so critical. Our, uh, you know, whether the, let's say they get, they're involved actively every week on our Twitter chats. Uh, they go and they engage in our podcast and they read the magazine. That's three. Uh, or take any mixture of that and add our email newsletter and add the blog component. Um, whatever the case is, you know, we've got about 13 to 15 different offerings that we have, but we know that we've, if we get the connection first off of something, let's say social, and they're regularly engaged in something, we got to get them into two more because we know the data tells us that three is the key number to get them interacting with us. And that's where I think social can be key because it's a, there are other ways that you can communicate ongoing and build that audience. But again, it goes back to the channel plan. Are you just sending out whatever product announcements? Is it not valuable or relevant stuff to that audience on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn? Fine, whatever. Or are you building a series? Are you telling stories? Does it really make sense? Are you targeting a very particular group of people with a with a really interesting niche problem? And I think that's the opportunity for social when it comes to content marketing. Excellent. Let's let's shift gears and talk about this documentary that you're putting together and debuting at Content Marketing World in Cleveland in September. That is a big undertaking. Uh, that is a completely different type of content uh, than you have done before. Tell us about the project and uh, any interesting lessons learned. Oh, my goodness. Um, so the, the title is The Story of Content, Rise of the New Marketing. And I got to tell you what a pain it was to come up with that because <laughs> I mean, I we probably had a hundred different titles in front of us. Uh, Jim, Jim McPhillips, uh, a good friend, he works at GE. He was really shooting for pulp content was, was what he wanted <laughs> And I actually liked it. We actually had it on the board at one time, which I thought the whole play with uh, Pulp Fiction would be really cool. But anyways, what's, what really helped us in this process, Jeff, and you did this really well and do, and you do this at Connections, as I learned from you, is you when you have an event and you put an event together, you get lots of thought leaders, lots of customers, lots of people that you want to hear from that have expertise. Well, you have them there. Well, use that time. Uh, to gain to gain the assets you need. So I would say a good 60 to 70 percent of the interviews that we had to go out and collect for the documentary were done at Content Marketing World last year. So you can see, like we're planning 12 months ahead of time from release to do the documentary, and then we figure out, okay, now we've got these because that's when we interviewed Jay and and Hanley and Scott Stratton and get, you know got a little bit on Kevin Spacey there and Don Schultz. So we get these people's perspectives as we go. And then we're able to fill in the gaps. You know, and take we took a couple trips to Europe and had to go talk to some people there. And it's a it's a real international feeling piece. But it's tough to go to Australia, tough to go to China, to get all this stuff. So if we can get them in one location, that was a big learning. And I think a lot of companies don't do that well, Jeff. Where they have an event and they don't leverage all the content opportunities at the event because they don't plan ahead about how they're going to use it. So I think the one thing we did well was that I think the the some of the under things that we underestimated is the amount of time it really takes and planning and strategy yep. to do a movie I mean sure. this is a movie this is a movie I mean it's it'll be between probably 35 and 45 minutes will be the ultimate so it's not a long long movie but it's a it's a documentary it's got a documentary feel to it we're trying to show both sides of it paint the picture carry a little bit of drama um, and we really needed, you know, need professionals in on this. So we've got a lot of amazing experts uh, from a broadcasting standpoint, from a production standpoint. Amanda Subler, who runs the product, she uh, project, she comes directly from television. 
She's worked in television for a long time. She's done these. We had to go find that kind of expertise. Luckily, she was already working with us on the team. So you know, those things are so important. And the thing, I guess, in general, what I've learned, and I don't know if you've seen this as well, I'd love to get your take, is when you look at the different, everybody talks about the snackable content, right? I mean, I think you and I have seen the you know, attention span of a goldfish stat that I just want to cry every time I see this. And yes, I get that. We're inundated with content all the time. We've got a smartphone in front of us and there's all kinds, and we're distracted easily. But for great content, for real, for real content experiences, people will take their time. Like, for example, binging on Sons of Anarchy or something like that, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, people will spend the time with content they really want. I mean, I'm surprised, as I'm sure you and Jay are, with the amount of listeners and regular listeners you get on Social Pros. I, mm -hmm. I could not believe, when we launched our podcast, I couldn't believe the regular listeners that wait for us to launch that podcast every week and to spend 45 to 60 minutes a week. That's a lot of time. So what we were looking at is how do we use this visual medium and we can do that and say, because we didn't, we're not the thing, we're not going to throw up a video every other day. We're not going to throw it up on YouTube. We're not doing customer testimonials. That We don't feel that's a good usage for our brand on that channel. But we feel, no, we need to continue to educate and advance the practice of content marketing. What's the best way we can do that through the visual medium? We felt it was a documentary and uh, hopefully it'll pay off. You know, we're having the, the premiere, which I hope you're at, by the way, oh, at the uh, Rock, and Roll, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, which will be really, really cool to do that. We're going to have an orange uh, orange carpet laid out uh, <laughs> instead of the red carpet. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so we'll have a little bit of fun with that, and I'm just super excited about it. But I think that the, be the best learning that I can give people listening to this is you don't have to do the, oh, it's got to be two to two and a half minutes on YouTube, and this is the way that we need to use visual medium. I say that's, that's not true. You can, you, you can tell stories in a lot of different ways using a lot of different media, and I think you have to just plan out what you want to say to a specific audience and then go with it and test it and see how it goes. And, yeah. and I just, there's, there's no, nobody, we're writing these rules as we go. There's nobody that says it has to be a certain way. And actually, I think right now you are benefited as an organization if you think outside of the box. Couldn't agree more. I, you know, my one disappointment with the documentary is I don't think I was interviewed for it. So I'm really, really hoping that much like the Avengers, there's like a shawarma scene after the credits, and uh, maybe we could go down to Nate's, uh, which is one of uh, the, the the best uh, Middle Eastern restaurants here in Cleveland. Uh, maybe we with, need to uh, do that. Oh, That's it. That is so. We absolutely <laughs> need to do that. <laughs> I'm telling you, brother. I'm around. I'm around. Uh, uh, not next week, but the week after. I'm all in for a shawarma scene. I'm just, you know, any any reason to go to Nate's. So that would be so fun. I'm going to tell Amanda right after this is done so she can put it on the calendar, see if we can make it happen. Excellent. So we're going to, we're going to wrap here, but I want to, before I ask you questions, um, I want to ask a, a few more things about kind of your personal consumption of, of social media. What is your favorite social media channel and why? Personally, it's, even though I, I've said on the record that I think Facebook from a corporate marketing standpoint may be dying, uh, from a personal standpoint, I love Facebook. It's where I keep up with. I know what's going on, and you're the parties you're throwing on your deck. I know all the, you know. I, know I see the, all of your marathons that you're running. I know. I know what's going on with Jay when he's uh, touring the world, and Andrew Davis and those folks. I mean, I that's how I keep up with what's going on on a personal basis. 
Um, so and that and basically getting close to even some of the front people that are friends with me on a business basis. Uh, so I really appreciate Facebook from that standpoint. From a social sharing standpoint, it's Twitter and it's not even close. Uh, but when I use the publishing tool within LinkedIn, which by the way is just something I need to do more of that I haven't made a priority at this point, it is extremely, and I don't know if it's going to stay like this, Jeff, but it's extremely powerful. So I mean, I just, you know, just, if I if I do a post on LinkedIn, and this is because I've been building up obviously that LinkedIn audience for a long time, so it's not like you can just say, oh, I can join LinkedIn and get 20,000, 30,000 people to view my stuff, uh, but you know, when I do launch something that's relevant to that audience, it does really well on LinkedIn and it shares like crazy. It's re it really gets that. Uh, it's not viral, but I mean, it starts taking off and you can see the momentum where thousands and thousands in, in, in an hour's time will start to view something and share it. And then, you know, what they do is they share it on Twitter. So the LinkedIn Twitter connection from a B2B standpoint is is really, really powerful. When I see something beautiful out in the world as I'm traveling, I share it on Instagram. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I do from a personal standpoint. And you know what? That That's pretty much, I mean, email, if you want to consider that social, as I know you guys talk about that as well. I, I communicate with that. I, I like to have zero inbox. Uh, usually doesn't happen. So every three days, I usually find a way to clear out my inbox. And then I star things to get to later that I usually never get to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind that of makes a, pretty. Exactly, it's kind of kind of the way it goes. But that's the you know that's the main and nothing nothing sexy, nothing different than what a lot of people do. But I built the you know, tried to build my main audiences on on t Twitter and LinkedIn, and really just continue to use Facebook to show the personal side of me. And I got to tell you, Jeff, I'm really cognizant of you know you know what my role is in content marketing, and I always and business and personal are completely connected. So I don't share certain things like you and I might share an inside joke that I would never ever share on Facebook because right. I, I have a uh, persona, there are presence that I need to keep and I always like, is it, would my mom be okay with this? And if the answer is yes, then I'll post it. If not, I absolutely don't and I never ever ever will. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other, a quick question here because uh, um, folks um, who, aren't, who aren't local, and connected with you might not know about your philanthropy. Can you tell folks about the, um, uh, the the golfing event you have and the charity you raise money for? Oh, thank you. I, I didn't think you were going to ask this, but I'm glad you did. Um, so our oldest son Joshua was, uh, you know, diagnosed on the autism spectrum when he was two years old, and he was at the time. He was, you know, they were basically saying to us at the Cleveland Clinic, you know, the best hospital in the world, and and diagnosis, and they said, look, unfortunately, he's probably going to have to go through special school. He's going to have a tough time speaking for the rest of his life, and and thankfully, my wife said, no, we're not going to have anything of that. We are going to get aggressive therapy, and we're going to do the best we can so he can communicate and do whatever he wants to do in life. And that's what we did. So right after that diagnosis, you know, Joshua got major um, speech, aggressive speech and play therapy. Uh, and it by, you know, by age three, he still couldn't talk, couldn't say a few words. And by age six, he was in regular school with a tutor. And by age eight, there was no tutor, tutor anymore. He's a fantastic young boy, happy boy. Uh, you know, and he's, he's singing almost, and rocking out now, he's right? Singing, singing, he's singing. He loves. He's probably the foremost 13-year-old expert on Apple Macintosh. Uh, he's a collector of old Macs at this point. Uh, he's he's just 
He's in, into the Lord. Uh, he's into Harry Potter right now. I mean, he's just loving life. Uh, he's doing great. I mean, you you may not even you probably if you if you hung around him for ten or fifteen minutes, you'd say, "Is there something there?" But you might not be able to get it right away because he really is communicating well. And the reason why is I believe this aggressive speech and play therapy at from ages two to five to six that unfortunately, Jeff, a lot of people can't afford. They can, we were lucky and blessed with we could we could pay two, three, four people a day to be coming in and doing this stuff, and there's a lot of people that can't do that. Now, unfortunately, again, a lot of the government grants that were out there have gone away, and so these these families are at a, at a crossroads and a loss. So this is kind of our way. We launched the CMI Golf for Autism years ago. We're in our ninth year now, and we just recently launched a, a real non, non-for-profit, not-for-profit 501c3 organization uh, called the Orange Effect Foundation. And the Orange Effect is that our goal is to fill that gap that we just talked about where we can get technology and training uh, to people who need it and families who need it and can't afford it. So what we'll be doing, and we'll we'll do a lot of this at Content Marketing World in the event where you'll hear about it, where we're trying to get funds and we're trying to work with Easter Seals and Milestones and a lot of other local organizations as well as national organizations. And then they say, look, Joe, we got a family that needs support. Our job at Orange Effect is to get the money and the resources so that they can get the speech therapy so their kids can fly and do whatever they want to in, in awesome. life. That's, that's, awesome. sort of, that's sort of what we're all about with uh, with Orange Effect. And what's the what's the URL if people want to check it out? Uh, orange, yeah, orange. It's Orange Effect Foundation, and God, we just launched the website, and somebody's going to shoot me. I think it's OrangeEffect.org, is the, <laughs> but it's Orange Effect Foundation, E F F E C T. So, um, yeah, we're very, and then we'll we're going to be in, tying in that into uh, into heavily into content marketing world. So you'll you'll see more of that to come. Great. And contentmarketingworld.com uh, for registration if folks want to come in September. You got it. We'd love to have you. Uh, we're expecting 3,500 plus to, to hit uh, Cleveland. It's the, the second biggest thing going on in Cleveland outside of, uh, well, it's outside of the cabs right now. But, of course, the Republican National Convention will be in in 2016. But we were here first. So, <laughs> and so we have fewer people running for president. Ex- well, exactly. And it's fun having it. It's fun having it in, in Cleveland too, because we are the largest recurring business event in Cle- downtown Cleveland. So we're pretty proud of that, and uh, we want to continue to grow that and support the city. And the city's been great, and they really got on board supporting us. So yeah, contentmarketingworld.com. There's every you know, if you're in marketing, I feel it's the most critical event to go to on the planet. Uh, when it when it concerns content creation, distribution, and measurement, and uh, we 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 go heavy with that. So we had 36 of the Fortune 100 attend last year. So these are the type of people. That, you know, Rockwell Automation sent 23 last year. Dell sent 17. So uh, we're we're we want you to send your team so that when you go back, you're not alone and uh, getting into the culture of the organization and getting hit with a brick wall. Excellent. All right. Well, let's wrap with the big two questions. Number one, Mr. Polizzi, what one tip would you give people to be a social pro? I would say focus on a content niche to a target audience that you can actually be the leading informational expert in the world and look at your content and ask yourself that question. If my content was removed from the face of the earth, would anyone notice? And if the answer is no, then you have a problem. Excellent. Last question. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, 
who would it be and why? Oh my goodness, that is a tough one. Uh, <laughs> the first one that came into my mind was Justin Timberlake, and I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I told you, this that's going to give me in all sorts of trouble. Oh, wow, uh, I, that that is diagnosable, I, I believe, <laughs> Mr. Pulitzi. You know what? Yeah, I know exactly. You know what? Honestly, um, I, there's so many uh, from from Bill. I'd love to do Bill Gates, and I'd love to. to actually, I th- probably would be Warren Buffett. I'd yeah. love to just sit. I'd love to sit down in an informal standpoint and just talk to the man about business, not about investing, just about business and his life. And like those small conversations, like I had 10 minutes to talk to Kevin Spacey, just him and I. That was like 10 of the most valuable minutes I've ever had. Just him, just talking about life in general with somebody that deals with so many things in their life. And I, I just love that kind of thing. And I love to have that opportunity with Mr. Buffett. Excellent. Well, both or, or Mr. Timberlake. <laughs> or Mr. Timberlake. <laughs> or, or LeBron. It's maybe do good. some dance lessons. You know, some. Actually, some, maybe. Uh, maybe uh, well, maybe actually. Advice. Maybe right now it should be Matthew Della Vadova. Oh, Deli, Deli, Deli. No matter how this turns out, that dude is legend. For those who don't know, I love it. Yeah, he'll always. For the Cavs from Australia, and uh, he was almost cut by the Cavs, uh, undrafted, and I think only the third player, now joined by uh, Mozgov, our center, as the fourth player, undrafted to score 20 points or more in a finals game. So. I love it. I know. What a great story. There's so many great storylines. I really do hope, you know, of course, being a lifelong Cleveland fan, I hope it works out because wouldn't it just be the the best story? That would be the greatest story ever told here in Cleveland. I just love to be a part of that. But, you know, you never know. We've got to play the games. Two out of three. Well, the good news is Back to the Future Day is October 21st, 2015 this year. It's the, the day in Back to the Future, I think, two or three that they went to the future. So, all we have to do is meet up with Marty McFly if things don't go our way and go back in time and, and, and fix it. So we at least have that do-over. At least all oh, good. That makes me feel much better. There's no pressure then in the three <laughs> games. It's, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good in the hood, you know? Excellent. Joe, thanks for sticking with us today. Thank you, uh, everyone who's listening, uh, for another edition of Social Pros. Next time out, uh, I believe Jay Bear will be back, barring some sort of uh, a charred meat incident in Portugal or wherever the heck he is. And uh, we thank you very much for sticking with us. And this has been another edition of Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Shortstack, Affinio, Farmstack, and Cision, and is produced by Convince and Convert. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.